Lads and lasses and everything in between. Witches and werewolves and pishogs and pukas and leprechauns and fairies and spirits and ghosts. Welcome to Turalura, the podcast where me and my spooky friend Josh O'Loughlin over there in County Clare, Ireland, are talking about folk songs and scary things. Ah, Jesus, Christian, you're going to scare him away before we even get started. How's it going, Josh? How hello, are hello, hello. you Happy doing? Halloween. Iha hona hona rib galer. There you go, there you go. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm good. Not too bad. How about you? Not so bad. Haven't seen you in a while there. It's it's been a while, uh, but let's not talk too much about the fact that we're um, we're we're an episode or two at that behind uh, the last few the last few weeks. But whatever, we're here That's now. Right. We're focusing on the old Halloween special. You need extra time to get something extra special together. You know, something extra spooky. <laughs> Absolutely, we're gonna scare the living daylights out of you all here now and talk about some spooky things for a change. Oh, and you are listening to Turalura, so there is going to be a little bit of folk music in there, but um, we, <laughs> we are gave the name of the. We actually named the show to make it ghost friendly. Yeah, specific, specifically for this occasion. Mm-hmm. So this is Turalura, um, and I'm just going to run through the uh, Frigan housekeeping really really fast oh, um Turalura podcast uh, you can find us on facebook just search for Turalura and uh, you'll find us there at instagram we were at Turalura podcast uh, you can send us email with <laughs> where are you laughing dot would that be tu- <laughs> would that be tura halloween laura <laughs> face, oh your face halloween book face halloween book you're uh, i i think you're prematurely getting into something we're gonna talk about <laughs> we'll get there we'll get there we'll get there uh you can send us emails uh and some people do and we read those emails and we thoroughly enjoy getting emails uh and yes kelly i am talking to you uh we did we did see your email. email we did see your email uh and uh we thoroughly enjoyed the email and we are <laughs> going to get back to you. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just in skits of laughter thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. But if anyone else want to get, up. it's coming wanna, up. Want to give Josh a laugh, uh, then uh, or or just uh, send us information or tips or suggestions or anything. Our email address is the place to go. It's 
Tura podcast at gmail.com and it's two oohs in Tura and there two are oohs. two oohs. Is that, is that four O's? How do you spell ooh? Okay, yeah, well, two O's in Tura <laughs> and two O's in Lura and one O in podcast and one O in com. So and I'm very sorry, you. Kelly, just to point out, I am not laughing at you or your email. My, my fit of laughter is coming from a different topic that we came across before we started recording and <laughs> it's going to be mentioned soon. So don't you worry, <laughs> Kelly. Oh. I'm not giving you a hard time for once. Oh. No, um, we're not giving anyone a hard time except for um, we're giving everyone a bit of a scare today, hopefully, <laughs> with all the scary shit we're going to talk about. Yeah, or as scary as a happy Norwegian and a musical Claire man can be. <laughs> there you go. So, <laughs> I don't even know where to start today, but, but Josh... Um, uh, I think the natural place, because I'm just going to jump straight into it, unless you have anything personal you want to share today. No, I'm I'm good. You're good? I'm good. We'll, we'll keep it. You're using, you're using the podcast as your free haven from everything else that's raging in your life. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the escape pod at the moment. You're in the eye of the storm, <laughs> by the sounds of it, college-wise. Uh, it's all good. We'll get there. Yeah. Anyway, let's let's just jump straight into it. So Halloween, Halloween What's is that? today. When this episode comes out, it's Halloween. <coughs> but Halloween, just to take you all back and why this is a natural fit for a folk music podcast. Um, what is Halloween really, Josh? This is Halloween. Go. This is Halloween. This is Halloween. Uh, you'll get no. us uh, taken off the internet. <laughs> it is, in fact, not a song that was uh, composed for the movie Nightmare Before Christmas, although it's a fantastic movie and very worth watching. Actually, yeah, before we go any further, Christian, before I explain the depths of Halloween, there's my first question. The Nightmare Before Christmas. Is it a Halloween movie or is it a Christmas movie? This is the long debated question. It's been, and, and this might be cursing in the church, as we say in Norway. Is that an international ex- expression? <laughs> cursing in the church? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's another one for you, Kelly. Um, the the wood taste in the arse. And cursing in, cursing in the church, or cursing in church, uh, is, um, is an expression uh, for... Um, for saying something that is uh, l- likely uh, very unpopular, <laughs> uh, I like it. So, for for example, going going into a butcher shop and saying that you're a vegetarian, you might the vegetarian might say, uh, "This might be cursing in church, but do you have any do you have any vegan sausages?" <laughs> So, but again, this might be cursing in church, but I, love it. Oh, I haven't watched <gasps> The Nightmare Before for Christmas since, since, um, it's probably at least 20 years ago I watched that movie. When did it come out? It came out the year I was born, 1993. Okay. 
Yeah. No, I I've only seen it once, and it's it's at least fifteen to twenty years ago. Blasphemy. I know, I know, and it's not because it's not a great movie. Uh, I remember it as a good movie. It's just never been a part of of my nostalgia sphere, if that makes any sense. But yeah, go on. Well, there well, you go. There's your Halloween, tr- new Halloween tradition to start. You have to go yeah. home now after this and watch The Nightmare Before Christmas and decide if it's a Christmas movie or a Halloween movie. <laughs> Keep yeah. us all updated on Instagram. Yeah, but this this is a long-standing debate. It, it doesn't, is. Well, I, I mean, is Harry Potter a Christmas movie? Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? I mean, no, but they also don't take place between Christmas Town and Halloween Town. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, if Die Hard was taking place in Christmas Town, it would be a very different movie. <laughs> just picturing, I'm just picturing John. What is it, John McCain? Except he's an elf, like crawling Die. through, crawling through the. Don't say you haven't seen Die Hard. Oh, I haven't seen Die Hard at all, uh, <laughs> ever. Uh, I, I've I've not even seen a single minute of any Die Hard movie ever. Christian, you're, <laughs> you're scaring everyone away, but not in the way I thought you would. <laughs> it's Halloween. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Halloween, as opposed to the Danny Elfman song, we were talking about the history of Halloween before we went off on a tangent there. So yeah. many of you people around the world that celebrate and know about Halloween and do all of those mad things that happen around the time of the end of October, All Hallows' Eve, might actually be unaware that the, many of the traditions and the entire concept of All Hallows' Eve originated where, Christian? Ireland. Ireland. To get her standing tall. Halloween is a holiday celebrated on October 31st and it originated with the ancient Celtic festival of Samhain. And according to history.com, it is the time when people would light bonfires and wear costumes to ward off ghosts. And there are many, many different traditions and Celtic notions that would have created Halloween and it would have started in or around the Midlands in Ireland on the Hill of Tara. Have you ever experienced the Hill of Tara, Christian? I haven't been there, but it's definitely on my uh, bucket list. So it was originally, I wouldn't even say it was, well, I suppose it was Celtic because the Celts were pagans, weren't they? It was a pagan tradition and it centred around the worshipping of the old gods and the new well, well, I mean, I guess the the pe- the Celts were pagans until they weren't. I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, just just like the Vikings were were pagans until mm-hmm. they weren't. <laughs> Absolutely, until they met the Vikings and created some kind of mad hybrid known as Irish people. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Yeah, it, it, just for a second, do you mind telling people what what is the? Because sometimes we just throw out names and. Uh, and this might even be interesting to me, even though I've I've heard the story. But what is the significance of the Hill of Tara? The Hill of Tara was the ancient capital of Ireland, so it's considered to be the home of the Tuatha who were the original fairy folk of the land. And um, ever since, it's considered to be a mystical, magical place. And if you go up there, there's actually remnants of some ring forts and things like that. It's probably one of the oldest settlements in the country. And it's where the High King would have sat back in the day. Yeah, yeah. The harp that once through Tara's halls, the soul of music fled. Did you ever hear that one? 
No, no. An old poem by Thomas More, but Tara was the spiritual home of the fairy folk. That's the real draw to the hill of Tara. I spent some time up there. I went up there with Mr. Rory Costello and his lovely fiance Emma last year. We went up there for a visit to see what it was like. And there's not much to see, folks. There's not much up there these days, but it's probably the highest hill in County Meath and you can look out over the entire Midlands from every direction so you can see everything coming and it was also the um, the basis for the main story in the movie Darby O'Gill and the Little People which is a movie I wanted to get onto <laughs> during this podcast have you seen that Christian? Um, parts of it this one has to be on the bucket list so this yeah. folks if you have not seen Darby O'Gill and the Little People you go on to Disney Plus you sign in if you if you haven't signed in you make an account even what you get f- seven free days, use one of them to watch Darby O'Gill and the Little People. It's an old, old movie, and we always, always watched it around Halloween time. <coughs> it was a real Halloween tradition for us, and it just goes. It's set on the hill of Tara. Darby O'Gill is an old man in a small little rural village in the middle of nowhere in Ireland, and he comes across the King of the Leprechauns, who lives underground with the fairies in the halls of Tara which are long since gone. It's like the Atlantis of Ireland. The leprechauns dance down there and play fiddles and harps and have parties every night. And Brian Baru's harp is sitting down there and all of that good stuff. But um, it's also very fucking scary. It has the one scene that haunts me to this day since I was a child, the Banshee. <laughs> and the whole story around the Banshee. I'm getting into the Pishogs thing already, Christian. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah. help it. But the whole story around the Banshee is... The Banshee is a wailing woman and she can she can be a beautiful woman, she can be an old hag or she might actually be a ghost that you will come across on the road. Right. And if you're walking down the road in the middle of the night and you hear the wail of the Banshee, it means that someone belonging to you is going to die. Jesus. Ba- Banshee, is it ban as in woman and then she as in f- fairy? Yeah. or yeah. Exactly. That's where that comes from. Okay. So she could be weeping for any reason. And I actually know people that have come across banshees in their time and have lost someone or something in the week following. And if you want to hear, if if you want to get, like, if you want to hear more uh, of Josh's uh, uh, rambling on about um, uh, Irish, well, modern paganism then then go back to our episode about uh wild mountain time go mm-hmm. lassie go uh from may uh, and uh, after you've listened to this obviously and you can uh, you can hear him going on about this stuff for another hour but the banshee yeah. suits the black velvet or not black velvet pants as i the black ah oh, jesus christ the long black veil the episode that we did two weeks ago yeah. it actually suits it very well as well because it is a similar type of concept, except the wail of the banshee is something that you couldn't mistake for anything else. You'll hear her screaming on your way home from the pub at night, and you'll tell everyone, and no one will believe you. And the next morning, you'll wake up, and your goldfish, your goldfish Goldie, will be floating upside down in the bowl. Jesus Christ! How fucking ironic is it that the the tune the banshee is. Uh, it's so fucking happy. You're worrying my dog there, Christian, with all your lilting. 
<laughs> well, that wasn't much uh, much lilting. I wouldn't even consider we that all, lilting. But we but also have the Banshee jig. And it goes... Beautiful tune, beautiful tune. Isn't there a tune called the Lilting Banshee? That is the Lilting Banshee. Now, I've never heard a Banshee lilting. No. Many, many people I know can claim they've heard the Banshee screaming, though. And then, and then in... Not to go off topic, but... Uh, in in the rising of the moon, I think there's a verse all along that singing river. <coughs> that blah, no, um, out for, uh, there's there's definitely a man- mention of the banshee's lonely croon mm-hmm. in uh, in the rising of the moon. Yeah, so she's supposedly a widow herself, a woman who's lost someone, and she's crooning, and she's just there to let you know that you're about to lose someone as well. Or but is she one person, or is she um, that that? Or is she a race, or it's hard to know a species? Or it's never been specified that I know of, anyway. All I know is if the banshee shows up, you're in trouble, and that was why I was fucking terrified at this children's movie when I was small because the banshee was this weird, fucked up CGI kind of a thing that appeared on the side of the hill, screaming at Darby O'Gill, and he goes out in the rain and he's shouting at her to. Fuck off, fuck off, Banshee. You'll not take anyone in this house. And the Banshee's wailing at him. And he knows that... Uh, well, I won't tell the whole story. You watch, this, watch the movie to find out. But um, he makes an effort to make a deal with the Banshee so that the Banshee doesn't take his daughter away. <sighs> Jesus. Real so, old Irish folklore and history. You'll find a lot of it in there. And if for no other reason, you should watch it to hear Sean Connery's Irish accent. <laughs> Back before his James Bond days. Um, Darby O'Gill and the Little People mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and again is it on Disney Plus it's on Disney Plus and I, if I'm not mistaken it was on YouTube it might still be okay. on YouTube yeah, well, I'm not maybe. sure though but yeah that's I'm, I'm going off on a lot of tangents here but that that's all bits based around the mythology of the Hill of Tara and then there's real life history in the Hill of Tara in the sense that it was the original capital of Ireland where the High King sat on his throne and looked out upon his land basically is is there some some sort of am i mixing things up now but or is there some sort of stone of destiny or something up there 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 is a stone up there don't ask me what it is i touched it i saw it okay okay the stone (laughs) a lot of of americans flock to the hill of tara to get married for some reason it's got a real it's got a real pagan history and vibe to it nice nice yeah, it's interesting. It is really interesting. But I find a lot more history in places like Newgrange, which isn't far away from Tara, or places like Killaloo, which is where the other original capital of Ireland was, where Brian Baru sat on his high throne. And just little things like that. I find it interesting. Like, And where else did you have the ancient past of Ireland? The West Coast of Clare, there's a lot of old ring forts. Anywhere yeah. like that where you find the old forts there's a lot of pagan history and you do get that kind of strange eerie atmosphere when you're around at this time of year Craig and Owen is another one actually that's actually where they had the Samhain festival a few years in a row where all the famous Irish artists and musicians gathered outdoors on Halloween on All Hallows Eve to play 
pagan music and they kind of did little pagan rituals and read some of the old verses and it was really interesting. They had it live on TV. I really enjoyed that. There was a lot of old, old, old music to be heard and poetry and some of the old lines of the bards. A lot of it was lost, but some of it is still there and they read all of that out and watching that take place in a place where it actually happened just adds something to it, I think. It was pretty cool. Craig Anon, C-R-A-G-G a-N-A-U-W-E-N, I think. Okay, it's actually, yeah. it's an old ring forward in County Clare. You were there. We went there. Was I now? Yes, when we were on the exchange, Mary McNamara brought us there on a day okay. trip. Okay. Remember was the old ring forts? Well, I, um, I do remember a few things that we did that was sort of, I do remember we visited uh, sort of um uh, a folk park that wasn't Bunratty, but that with examples of old houses and uh, Craig and Owen, I would say. Okay, yeah. it was the same day we went to Bunratty, if I'm not mistaken. That might very well be. Okay, then I do remember it, but I didn't remember that that was it. But there's a picture of us all sticking our heads out of the because there's a chamber like there is in Newgrange. <laughs> so another thing, folks. Oh, there's so much to talk about what are we going <laughs> to do this is your fucking edit <laughs> I'm just not going to edit it it'll be fine <laughs> so in Newgrange there's a really interesting thing that proves that the ancient pagans in Ireland knew a hell of a lot more about the solar system and the way the sun works than we originally thought and there's a chamber and on midwinter's eve or midsummer's eve every year the light passes through the chamber in a certain specific way that lights up the whole inner passage and inner yeah, room. Yeah. And you've got similar things going on in Craig and Owen. They have the same little chambers and burial sites and all of that. But That's I'm just, just th- I, I'm just thinking of an old picture of us sticking our heads out of the chamber. You don't remember <laughs> that? Um, vaguely, but you have to, you have to remember it. There were a lot of uh, group photos on that trip. So I, d- I can't remember all of them but but that kind of stuff it, it's just beautiful it reminds me of it reminds me of um the fellowship of the ring when mm-hmm. they're trying to get into moria uh, yeah. and uh gandalf needs the something about the light and stuff and it even reminds me of national treasure yes two or one or when they go to the liberty bell and there is something about the yeah the sun being and and there is this whole thing about oh no we missed it we need to wait for a year and then yeah. your man riley goes like no daylight savings and everybody's happy it's, uh, I, I love that sort of stuff maybe I that's love- part of the appeal of ancient ireland and the past the past in general all around the world there's this hint of mystery like how the fuck did they do that stonehenge how did they get those rocks there they're not from there <laughs> yeah they, I di- know. they didn't have wheelbarrows back then <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've seen th- similar things on on Stonehenge, uh, when they uh, when they go like, um, we've taken samples of this stone and we know for sure that it's from a place, hundred and fifty miles from here. <laughs> yeah. So how the fuck did it? Were there aliens? Did they yeah. actually drag them? That's probably what makes Halloween such an interesting and popular holiday. Just this hint of mystery about it all because some things happened somehow and we don't know how. Yeah. Now, I'm yeah. not saying it was witches and banshees, but <laughs> there was some something going on somewhere. For, for sure. 
for sure. Are there leprechauns under the hill of Tara playing harps and fiddles? Who knows? Who knows? Pay a visit and have a look. Stick your <laughs> ear to the ground. Let us know what you hear. Yeah, the next time I'm I'm over, I'm I'm having <coughs> you take me there. Or probably, what is more probable is that we're both gonna have to get Rory to take us there because <laughs> he's the only person well, we know that has a car. I have it on uh, good knowledge that Rory's wedding is taking place not far from there. That is also very true. So there might be uh, there might be an uh, a possibility that we could sneak off uh, the day before or the day after for a little bit of a day trip. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to the Celts and why they back celebrate Halloween. They yes. believed that on the eve of Halloween, the dead spirits would visit the mortal world. So this is where all of this would have originated, these beliefs. Like, as you see in season one of American Horror Story. <laughs> they lit bonfires to keep the evil spirits away, and they dressed in disguises so that the spirits would not recognize them. Although our Halloween is less about dead spirits and more about having fun and dressing up, there's traditional aspects of an Irish Halloween that we have kept going. And there's a list of things that I would like to talk about, Christian, because some of them go all the way back. and It's really interesting. Beautiful. And just so you know, Can I folks, guess? Sorry? Can I guess things? You certainly can. What are the ancient Irish traditions that still exist today? <clears throat> well, I don't know how ancient it is because I've, I've Googled a bit, but I'm guessing that jack-o'-lanterns uh, is on that list. <laughs> Absolutely. Jack-o'-lanterns. And what do you know about jack-o'-lanterns? Well, I do know that um, if, from what I've read... Uh, the tradition was that when you went home from the bonfire or something, you you would carry a carved uh, vegetable, uh, usually a turnip or a potato or something along those lines with um, with ember, coal ember or mm-hmm. or something lit inside yeah. uh, to sort of uh, defend yourself from the 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 lurking spirits while you were trying to get home mm-hmm. is is that kind of 100% yeah so it was to to keep you safe on the way home the spirits that were still lurking about wouldn't catch you while you were on your way home from the bonfire so you, they would hollow out a turnip and walk home with the fire still burning I think they would keep that fire burning and leave it on their doorstep when they arrived and they would carve a face out of it to basically ward the spirits away until morning and if you haven't seen photos, oh of, man, oh of man, the, <laughs> there there are some insane. Uh, I don't know if they might be reproductions, but posted by by the National <laughs> Museum of Ireland that yeah. that look absolutely insane. Like they're nothing like the no. sort of jokery, <laughs> comical pumpkin jack o' lanterns. They are horrific. They look more, in my opinion, what they look most similar to is um, Slipknot masks <laughs> the masks of the, the lads in the band Slipknot yeah if you M- look mummified heads yeah yeah they, they look like the shrinked heads in uh, of Harry Potter as well like they're they're absolutely f- horrifying but but I'm guessing that uh, it's quite obvious that yeah, if the you tradition. Google it, folks, just Google Irish jack-o'-lanterns yeah. and you'll see the hollowed-out turnips, but they gave them teeth. 
they looked like they were wrapped in bandages. They were fucking terrifying. Yeah. I love. I saw a brilliant meme. It was actually our own Kelly that shared it there the other day on Instagram, and it was oh the Irish originally used hollowed turnips as jack o' lanterns. I wonder what that looked. Like. Oh my good fucking lord! Yeah. What the <laughs> hell is that? And it's just a picture. It, it's the first one that'll come up if you Google Irish jack o' lanterns. And it's terrifying. But there's another really interesting story, Christian, as to why the jack-o'-lanterns originated from Ireland and where they came from. So it's the other school of thought. And as it says here on irishcentral.com, it's a little bit more spooky. (coughs) So the story is that the jack-o'-lanterns date back to the 18th century. And they're named after an Irish blacksmith called Jack, who colluded with the devil and was denied entry into heaven. He was condemned to walk the earth for eternity, but asked the devil for some light. He was given a burning coal which burnt into a turnip that he had hollowed out. Some Irish believe that hanging a lantern in their front window will keep Jack's wandering soul away. When the Scot-Irish immigrated to America, they adapted that tradition and used pumpkins instead, as it is more difficult to find turnips in America. Brilliant. Now for you. I love history. So it's an Irish tradition keeping poor old Jack away and that moved to Scotland and when the Scots immigrated to America they brought it with them and they turned poor old Jack orange so what about other Halloween traditions that you would say originated in Ireland um okay I'm just gonna go down the list does trick or treating was some sort of of begging wasn't it originally mm-hmm. yep and it was the because I've seen I've even seen pins saying Bob uh, Bob Nabia, but I don't know if that might be an anglicism that has come back from America to Irish and been translated into Guelga, uh, or if it's actually an Irish saying. <laughs> Bob, Bob Nabia. Bob Nabia. Bob no beer. Oh, like money or food. Yeah. Well. It would have originated, like a bob, a bob would be money in Ireland, in, in old traditions, you would call money a bob. Okay, yeah, because I, d- I don't know. To me, bob nubia means money or food. Again, don't, don't I, you know me, I'm I'm going to jump straight uh, to, 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 to modern folklore, and mm-hmm. I don't remember what they were saying now at uh, at this instance but again it's a good place to plug that they have a few halloween uh, episodes if you're interested in like the the la- linguistic uh, relations uh, i think christian needs to find some new podcasts <laughs> if you want to hear someone talking about the irish language in relation to, to halloween and so on then uh, then to, um modern folklore is a good place to go <laughs> <laughs> But but yeah, trick or treating was was that beggars trying to get food or w- what's the story there? Pretty much, yeah. What I have here is trick or treating originated in Ireland, where the poor would go from door to door at rich people's homes and ask for food, kindling, or money. They would then use what they collected for celebrations on Halloween. Um, <clears throat> and what you had in Ireland back then, as well as like the most typical things that you would get going door to door, would be a mandarin orange or an or a Monkey nuts, you know. Monkey and nuts. Monkey nut, like um, what's the other name for a monkey nut? Peanuts. Peanut okay. in in the shell. Yeah. Sorry, okay, we yeah. call we always called them monkey nuts since I was young. 
Um, it's just another name for them. But to this day, like nuts and fruit would be one of the most popular things to get in your trick or treating bag in Ireland on Halloween. Yeah, I mean they they were they were rare and fucking expensive. Mm-hmm. Like you would so, still like kids these days wouldn't be too happy with them but I still remember when I was small going door to door trick or treating and being like oh a, f- a fucking orange someone's after giving me a mouldy fucking orange and then you just yeah. take it out and throw it at someone yeah <laughs> make a but, complete um, splatter movie yeah but um yeah so that's big thing like you have the nuts and even coconuts coconut was a popular one to crack open on Halloween for us anyway I don't know probably not back in the day as you said with your uh, what was it you were talking about before the pina colada oh yeah yeah pineapples and coconuts <laughs> those rare commodities in Ireland yeah I mean the the what are they called again the the, the place in Africa where they speak with a thick Cork accent or oh it's it's not in Africa it's in the Caribbean it's in Mo- the, yeah, Montserrat right. Even better, they yeah. probably they probably had uh, had plenty of coconuts and pineapple. Honestly, Absolutely. I don't know where pineapples grow, but but I'm imagining since uh, pina colada is a tiki drink. <laughs> but so you you can sort of imagine them. Close your eyes and imagine the thick cork accent or <laughs> however they talk drinking yeah. pina coladas. <laughs> Hundred percent. You have a few other things as well. The bonfire was a big one. So the bonfire originated in Ireland, and it was called the bonfire literally because it was a bone fire. That's where you the were name burning comes bones. from. No, not necessarily. Listen to the story. Um, so it was the end of the summer, but the beginning of another year. So you were bo- you were burning the bones of the ancient spirits. I think was the way to take that. It was the one day of the year when spirits could walk the earth. The community would gather and light huge fires to ward off those bad spirits for the coming year and any evil spirits. Uh, People believed that they extinguished their fires in the heart at home before they left and would reignite them using ember from the bonfire for good luck. The day after the bonfire, the ashes were spread across the fields to ward off bad luck for the farmers. It was traditionally believed that the bonfire encouraged dreams, especially of your future husband or wife. It was okay. said that if you drop a cutting of your hair into the embers of the fire, the identity of your first husband would be revealed. Now, I like how it says your first husband, <laughs> because that <laughs> yeah. to me comes across very American or something. You'd, you'd know that it's irishcentral.com gearing towards Americans when you're talking about first husbands, because if you got there, married in Ireland back then, that was there it. W- there weren't any second husbands. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but um, yeah, it's also... Um, it changed hands. It went over there to America in the in the likes of Salem would have been the place where it would have become the bonfire, burning witches, burning bodies, burning bones. And it's just a fire that's left with bones at the end. And it was from that, I think, that bonfire took its name. Back then, we probably just called it a tinna or some kind of communal fire. Yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Um I mean, what what did people think would happen if they didn't do this uh, stuff? Did they think that their all the food that everything from the harvest would rot? Uh, there would it would be an extremely cold winter and people would die and like what what's what's the story? It's the dying embers of the Celtic tradition, the pagan culture, pagan nature. Like think of think of the Vikings sacrificing animals to their gods. What would they think yeah. if they didn't? You know. Well, yeah, I'm I'm thinking. And this is just me being um, 
unresearched but i i get i find find it very obvious everything that they do as sort of the beginning of of a year that they're they're sacrificing to to get a good yield uh plenty of crops and uh, mm-hmm. a good harvest but this is like from what i've heard uh the people at national irish museum or irish museum of history or whatever i i watched a video on sound and they were like yeah um Samhain was a time of plenty mm-hmm. they had harvested everything they had all their nuts and berries and dried fruits and and they had uh apples and this is why it's such a big tradition with the the thing of getting the apple out of the water or mm-hmm. whatever it's yeah bite bite Bob- bobbing apple. for apples bobbing for for apples and and they had all of their their grains and everything collected and harvested um so i'm just i'm just wondering what like well and it probably was they they were probably scared their food would wouldn't last or rot or if they didn't please the spirits or i don't know yeah it's fascinating it's it's like i said it's the the last remnants of this really devout religion they worshiped the gods of nature and they had to keep them happy by doing certain things and if they didn't bad things would happen and over the years and over the centuries that kind of devout religious belief and those devout customs that you would have towards that religion slowly fizzled out but became tradition at some point it stopped being religion and started being tradition and that's where it becomes something else and I think that still happens today like I find a lot of speech even what we say in our languages is now tradition and like oh thank god we did this and thank god we did it's all yeah 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 it might not necessarily be religious non-religious people would still use those expressions you know yeah absolutely absolutely and i mean halloween like like many other things were were adopted by by the catholic church Mm -hmm. like it's the same thing with christmas like you we still call it you as that's our only word for for yeah. Christmas in Norwegian, mm-hmm. it only spelt different. We there doesn't exist a word in Norwegian for Christ Mass, in that sense. We still only use Yule, and that was the midwinter, the midwinter festival of the of the Vikings. All this uh, talk of ghosts. I think there's a ghost in the room. Of course, it stops when I turn up my volume. I heard some kind of mad sound. Yeah, there there, there was some some sort of ooh <laughs> in the background. Yeah, yeah. but, but um, yeah, yeah, even I find like the likes of mass going and the likes of communions and confirmations in Ireland, they've very much veered from the religious side of things and become tradition. You know. Yeah. In my opinion, yeah. at least in rural Ireland, I know there are still a heavy population of religious people, of course, but. I think a lot of the customs have become tradition as opposed to religious obligation. Yeah. No, that that makes complete sense. Um <coughs> Do you know what just hit me? We haven't sh- should we maybe um talk about a song? Talk about a song for 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 just <laughs> two or three minutes just I to, mean, yeah, to we could we could do that before we get back into the all all of the things yeah. that we really want to talk I, about I was, because I was working my way through. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah. If you uh, did you have a good segue? No. 
that's as good a segue <laughs> as any. Because, I mean, we, as you all know, um, we are a folk mu- music podcast and uh, we are going to talk a little bit about at least one folk song. Uh, <laughs> but first, a word from our sponsor. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> uh, you had me excited there for a minute. Monster Energy. All of the energy. Now the calories. Halloween. Monster Energy Halloween. <laughs> um yeah li- but let's let's get into a little bit of of music just for a second cuz we were talking about like what should we talk about cuz there aren't any uh or we at least haven't been able to find uh really old folk songs about sound itself there's plenty of songs like on spooky themes and scary themes and I'm sure there's old old songs that suggest the festival of Samhain and things like that but there was none that really stood out as the Halloween song for this episode. So we kind of went we went on a different kind of a search and we found kind of some of the more spooky themed songs and ones that we deemed suitable to mention give honorable mentions to on Halloween. And uh, the first. He knows I'm listening. He knows I'm listening. (laughs) There was some. There was something going on there. Uh, There, there sure was. I, (laughs) I heard it. (laughs) But yeah. But but yeah, you 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 mentioned um the, the the first one. Uh, Josh is um, a song uh, that you know through Christy Moore. Mm-hmm. It's actually the title. It's the title track of one of his albums that came out while I was still in school. An album called Burning Times, and Burning Times. I'm I'm sure actually a lot of people in America might know what the Burning Times are, and it was a historical time when the witch hunts were taking place, and there was a lot of condemnation uh, of. Any any women that were seen to be different or intelligent or it was it was horrible when you think about it, but any woman that was challenging society was deemed a witch and hunted down and burned. Strong minded. Yeah, basically. Um horrible time in history, but Christy Moore actually found this song. And I'm just gonna get it up here. I found it. The song was written by a guy called Charlie Murphy, who's a singer songwriter from America. And well, it was he? He yeah. passed away in 2016. L- I was about to say it. He passed away in 2016. And At the uh, age of only 63. That's yeah. a tragedy. Yeah, and he was into pagan music, and his album was called "Catch the Fire." And um, yeah, he was very much a member, by the sounds of it, of the neo-pagan tradition, which is what it says on the tin. It's the modern-day pagan culture, and uh, mm-hmm. this particular song. <coughs> Sorry, I'm dying here. <laughs> the ghost is choking me. Um, yeah, so his album is notable for addressing LGBT issues and pagan spirituality in its lyrics. But Christie took this song, Burning Times, and the reason I thought it was a good one is partly because of the reason we already talked about, this witchiness, witch culture, and the burning of the stake of the witches and the stories of the witches that still rattle down to today's times. And actually... I'm going to get onto a segue in a second, Christian, because I've been spending a lot of time in Kilkenny, and Kilkenny had its own resident witch that was burned at the stake, so we'll get onto that in a second. But um, the song Burning Times concerns the persecution of women accused of witchcraft in the Middle Ages and early modern periods. Its chorus mentions several pagan female deities, and these are 
for anyone that has any knowledge of pagan culture at all will know the names of these. We have Isis, Astarte, Diana, Hecate, Demeter, Kali and Inanna. And it also, uh, words, it also mentions that 9 million women died and the lyrics talk about a holocaust against the nature people. And I just found it really interesting. I, I, I liked that song, but I never really delved into the history of it and didn't realise what it was. I knew it was something pagan and I always listened to that Christy Moore version, which we'll probably put in the show notes. And it's it's an interesting one. Yeah. And, and, and a great song, <laughs> too, yeah. which is always any witchy stories out there folks send them in because i like witch stories i watched the blair witch hunt or is that what it's called the blair witch project i watched that last week and i was bitterly disappointed all this talk and it's a cult classic nothing happened in that movie no but it was good if you're a little bit skittish like me and uh and you watched it when it actually came out, which would be now, what, 15 years ago? Yes, I'd Jesus, say so. We're, we're getting fucking ancient. Yeah, I don't know. I watched it. I had never seen it and I heard so much about it. And I like good scary movies, like, you know, the suspenseful ones. Not the ones that give everything away, that there's a lad with a knife chasing you and you're going, oh no, I'll run towards the scary sound. But the actual movies where... There's suspense. You don't know what's going to happen. The Haunting of Hill House. Fucking brilliant series. Like all of that stuff. Deadly. Because there's, <laughs> there's a hint of mystery to it, you know. But um, yeah. 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 <laughs> Shit. Would you like to hear about an Irish witch? The, your Kilkenny witch. Yeah, this only entered my head right now. But there's like, it's one of the biggest historical stories that the city centre of Kilkenny is built on. I don't know okay. if you've ever been in Kittler's Bar in Kilkenny. I have not. Go on. So, Kittler's Bar is based on the story of Alice Kittler, who was burned, I think she was burned for being a witch. Let's get on to her story there. Um, Alice Kittler was the first recorded person condemned for witchcraft in Ireland. She fled the country, but her servant, Petronilla de Meat, was flogged and burned to death at the stake on the 3rd of November, 1324. <clears throat> Sorry. Flogging sounds like a terrible punishment. Yeah, can't have been fun. Can't have been go fun. Go on, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. So, Kittler was the only child of a Flemish family of merchants settled in Ireland since the mid late 13th century. She was married four times. So, maybe some people did have second and third husbands in Ireland back in the day. Mm hmm. Maybe maybe she looked into the bonfire and saw her second and third husbands and left her first. Um, there's there's some questionable things here, though. Her first husband, William Outlaw, was a merchant and moneylender of Kilkenny, and they had two children, and they were married 1280 to 1285. Her second husband, in 1302, was Adam Blund of Callan, moneylender, and her third husband, in 1309, was Richard de Valle, a landholder of County Tipperary. After his death... Alice took proceedings against her stepson Richard for the recovery of her widow's dower. Now we're getting interesting. So she wasn't getting her money. <coughs> so she took legal proceedings. And then her fourth husband was John Power. In 1302, her and her second husband were briefly accused of killing her first husband. Jesus. She incurred local resentment because of her vast wealth and involvement in money lending. When her fourth husband, John Lapuer, fell ill in 1324, he expressed the suspicion that he was being poisoned. 
After his death, the children of the Lapuere and her previous three husbands accused her of using poison and sorcery against their fathers and of favouring her firstborn son, William Outlaw. I like how his surname is Outlaw. <laughs> yeah. In addition, she and her followers were accused of denying the faith of Christ in the church. I like how you can be accused of that, but we'll get <laughs> on to that later. Cutting up animals to sacrifice to demons at crossroads. I can just imagine faking crossing a crossroad in the middle of Kilkenny now and seeing some lads sacrificing an animal <laughs> to please the demons. Holding secret nocturnal meetings in churches to perform black magic and undermine, overpower the church. Using sorcery and potions to control Christians. <laughs> Possession of a familiar, Mr. Robin I, Artisan, a lesser demon of Satan, and the murder of husbands, plural. <laughs> Can I just uh, say one thing? Even the, For just a second there, uh, I had a mental image of when you said... Um, uh, uh, c- control Christians. I just <laughs> I saw a big group of several of me being controlled. <laughs> oh, I love it! Like some sort of crazy uh, KD uh, White Walker army yep. of the dead sort of thing. But yeah, go on. Sorry, <laughs> making love and hate potions to corrupt Christians. <laughs> That's, it actually says Alice and her accomplices were accused of and investigated on seven accounts. Number one, committing heresy. Number two, sacrificing to demons. Now, how does an investigation happen to prove that you sacrificed to a demon? Number three, com- communing with demons. <laughs> Number four, <laughs> magically excommunicating and usurping the church. <laughs> Number... Number five, making love and hate potions to corrupt Christian Dugstats. <laughs> Murdering her past husbands. And the last one, engaging in a sexual affair with a demon. Jesus. Now, she was she was actually accused of and investigated on engaging in a sexual affair with a demon. Well, you know you know how have you watched Outlander? Bits and pieces. Have you watched The Witch Trial? In Outlander, season, no, season I one? I can't I say th- I have. Yeah, I think it's season one or or at the very latest, early season two. Uh, no, it's probably season one. Um, and uh, it's exactly like this. It's uh, Someone gets accused. For, well, one of them actually are a witch in, in that instance. But, but Claire, the main character, gets accused of being a witch and there's a trial and the trial is just a bunch of people being called up as witnesses saying (laughs) saying shit i saw her do it i saw her do it i I, I, at one point i walked past her house and there was a bright light coming from her window and i (laughs) heard an evil laugh yep it reminds me of the monty python sketch where they're trying to figure out if she's a witch or not have you seen that no, I haven't. And there's a learned man and he's a scientist comes up and he basically gets the crowd to come up with the answer. And they came to the conclusion that if she's a witch, she's made of wood and a wood floats on water and so does a duck. So if she weighs the same as a duck, she's a witch and therefore has to be burned at the stake. It's just this kind of ridiculous humor that Monty Python had. But it's it's true. Like, that's how they used to feckin' do it. But listen to this. Um... So after months of stalemate, one of Kettler's servants, Petronella de Meath, was tortured and confessed to witchcraft. 
Her confession detailed her involvement along with Alice's in six out of seven of the above listed crimes. I wonder if one of them was the sexual affair with the demon. <laughs> it would seem, although her testimony was likely forced and unreliable, accusers gained most of their information from this confession. And there's a brilliant retelling here from someone who was supposedly there at the time. And he wrote, On one of these occasions, by the crossroads outside the city, she had made an offering of three cocks to a certain demon who she called Robert. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> From the depths of the underworld. <laughs> she had poured out the cock's blood, cut the animals into pieces, and mixed the intestines with spiders and black worms like scorpions with a herb called milfoil, as well as with other herbs and horrible worms. What's Sorry, a horrible wh- worm? Wh- what was the name of the oil again? A, a herb called milfoil. <laughs> milfoil. Yeah. Milfoil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she boiled this mixture in a pot with the brains and clothes of a boy who died without baptism and with the head of a robber who had been decapitated. She said she had several times at Alice's instigation and once in her presence consulted demons and received answers. She had consented to a pact whereby she would be the medium between Alice and the said Robert, her friend. <laughs> Jesus Christ. In public she said that with her own eyes she had seen the aforesaid demon as three shapes in the form of three black men, each carrying an iron rod in the hand. Interesting. This apparition happened by daylight before the said Dame Alice, and while Petronilla herself was watching, the apparition had intercourse with Alice. After this disgraceful act, with her own hand, she wiped clean the disgusting place with sheets from her own bed. Now, I'm no expert, but that just sounds like a really, really exaggerated telling of a story of a big orgy that Alice had with three men. Yeah. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Yeah. While you're one watched. <laughs> Which, I mean, at that time probably would be considered enough of a crime to yeah, condemn three me- to death. Three men called Robert. <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a demon from the fiery pits of the underworld called Robert. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just... At at some stage, like I I would like to read or read a fancy novel or or see a movie or a TV series where it's not so obvious. Like whenever you're doing black magic or calling on Satan, that it has to be the blood of a cock and fucking spiders and shit. Why why can't it just be fucking daffodils and yeah. and. A bottle of cider. A bottle of cider. And just like, why does it have to be that way? It makes absolutely no sense. You can make a poison in real life from apple seeds. It doesn't have to be. Do you get me? <laughs> I do. Like, it's, it's, it's so If obvious. they were really magic, they could actually do it in a more subtle way. Yeah. Or... Or the other way, like to to make good magic, you had to use exact just as disgusting ingredients. Like it doesn't make sense that everything, everything evil you want to do with magic has to be disgusting ingredients, and everything good is like, yeah. oh yeah, oh yeah, you 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 just you you pick a few flowers and <laughs> uh, dance around in a circle and say hail Mary, and it's it's grand. And yeah. uh, if you're doing something evil, you need to you need to go and you need to steal a horse's penis and uh, do you use it to 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 stir a pot of of dead <laughs> eels. Yeah. Oh my God! I just found a William Butler Yeats poem that actually has a verse about Lady Kittler. Okay. 
Now the wind me. drops, dust settles thereupon, these lurches past his great eyes without thought, under the shadow of stupid straw pale locks, that insolent fiend Robert Artisan, to whom the lovelorn Lady Kittler brought bronzed peacock feathers, red combs of her cocks. Now that could be taken up in many ways. It certainly can. Um, if anyone wants to know more about Alice Kittler, there's a novel called The Stone published in 2008 by a Kilkenny woman named Claire Nolan. And there is even a musical version called The Stone, based on the book, that premiered in Kilkenny in 2011. There you go, you learn more every day. But back to the Burning Times, there is actually a novel about Alice Kittler called Burning Times as well, written by Robin Morgan. And that was this whole full circle thing, the Burning Times, Burning Times song, Witches and all that. There's a documentary I am yet to see, also called Burning Times, and it's probably worth a watch. It sounds really interesting for sure. Um, there it is there. The Burning Times, a Canadian essay film by Donna Reed that compares the persecution of women as witches between 1350 and 1750. The Burning Times of the title and contemporary misogyny. And the music is composed by Miss Lorena McKennett, which is bringing and us on another little circle there because you had a song by Lorena McKennett that you wanted yes, to. Yes, I, I was looking for for uh, music uh, to talk about in this episode and I uh, I googled Samhain songs and I came across um, an article on a page called spinditty.com with six great songs about Samhain. <laughs> uh, but they were all, uh, as far as I can see, they're all more modern songs, um, modern compositions, which doesn't make them not folk songs, but I don't know of them. Um, and uh, number one on that list is Samhain Eve by Dav the Bard. But number two is All Souls Night by Lorena and it says here Lorena the woman McKenna who wrote music about witches yes and it says that uh, she's a popular Canadian singer uh, and composer who plays multiple instruments she's often said to sing songs in the Celtic genre but also performs music from other genres she's known for her <laughs> clear soprano voice Jesus, <laughs> this, is, this is very articly uh, but it says all Souls Night describes the excitement of a Samhain celebration as it might have occurred in the past, though I suspect that the scene may be romanticised. The hillside is dotted with bonfires, people are dancing to the pulse of drums, and the wind is full of a thousand voices. So Ooh. if you want to get into the Samhain mood, you can listen to All Souls Night by Lorena McKennett. Josh and I, we we talked about uh, when we when we were discussing all of this. We we can't, for the love of God, remember where we know Lorena McKennett from. And it's obvious that she's a big she's a big name, and she has several albums, and she does a lot a lot of the classics and a lot of her own songs. But I'm pretty sure that she's been mentioned in a previous podcast. I, th- or I think she has. Or in the research for mm-hmm. for one, but if if she has been mentioned in the previous podcast and you remember what podcast it is, then send us in a message and remind us because we can't, for the love of God, remember. Absolutely, uh, we want to know. When. Tell us. Do you want to hear the the next uh, few songs on that six songs about sound list? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go into detail, but if anyone wants to, we can list, uh, we can put the link in the show notes, but if Mm -hmm. anyone 
right now wants to put on some Samhain music, here are a few tips from Spinditty.com. It's Samhain Song by Lisa Thiel, uh, where the lyric supposedly goes, Samhain Samhain, let the ritual begin. We call upon our sacred ancestors to come in. Uh, so on and so forth you could you get the gist and then it's Samhain Night by Jenna Green uh, with lyrics like light the sacred fires hold your love tight welcome now the spirits of old Samhain Night <laughs> then you have uh, for those who brought us here by Kernonus Rising which must be a band um, we stand at the threshold between life and death the other world mists start to clear and in the flickering shadows born of the fire we see our ancestors appear some of these songs to me sound a lot like they're gonna be in in the sort of operatic dramatic yeah. uh, celtic night wishy sort of metal style prog metal with big synths and stuff but i don't mm-hmm. really know um, yeah. and then the last one is Samhain by Trobar de Morte, which is very dramatic uh, art, uh, very dramatic artist name. It doesn't say any anything about the lyrics here, uh, but uh, that's a few songs for you if you if you want to get into the. Mood. There was one or two more as well when I was looking up kind of Irish spooky folk songs just for the crack. These are specifically Irish. I found an interesting one called Werewolves of Ossery, which I presume is Boris and Ossery in Tipperary, and um, it's a song written by songwriter Barry Barnes and he became intrigued by the Vatican's documents of 20th century accounts of werewolves in early medieval Ireland um, and this particular one tells the story of a priest a true story apparently who stopped to rest on official papal business in Kilkenny Kilkenny again of course he can't win and found himself confronted by a werewolf in the woods he had been cursed along with his village for refusing to convert to Christianity some years previously by a despotic abbot there you go so According to ancient Kilkenny stories from the papal people, what are they called again? <laughs> the papal administration. They had stories about people who lived in the woods who turned into werewolves because they didn't convert to Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> and there's that song if you want to look it up, folks. Werewolves of Ossery, O-S-S-O-R-Y by Barry Barnes. And a few other good ones there. One I mentioned was Darug Doom. It's not exactly a folk song. It is a rock song. It does feature Irish trad music in it. And it's by Horselips. Another good old song. Christian, can, can we mention something else? Can we get on to this little Spotify album? That <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah, it's it's time. It's time. Yeah. Oh, man. We, we teased. We, Josh teased you in, in the beginning of the episode. And you probably didn't even notice. Yeah. Other than the fact that he started randomly laughing in the middle of a conversation about our good friend Kelly. But it was really this he was laughing at. Yeah. Go on, Josh. Tell me <laughs> about it. I'm just typing it into Google. Okay, so the first thing I did... When I was looking for info for the Halloween special was type Irish Halloween music into Google. And the first thing that comes up is an entire playlist from an entire album that is on Spotify. And it's called Irish Halloween. And it's by a band supposedly called The Leprechauns. And the track list is one of the best track lists I've ever heard in my life. (laughs) I'm actually. I'm gonna read the whole fucking track. Yeah, list. go on, go on. Track one, Halloween whiskey in the jar. Track two, Danny Boy Halloween. 
<laughs> Track three, McNamara's Halloween Band. Track four, the Black Velvet Halloween Band. Five, Finnegan's Halloween Wake. <laughs> Track six, when, <laughs> when Halloween Irish eyes are smiling. <laughs> track, track seven, the Wild Halloween Rover. Number eight, the Wearing Oh the Halloween Green. Track, <laughs> track nine, Halloween Alban. Track ten, Morrison's Halloween Jake. <laughs> Track 11, The Irish Halloween Washerwoman. And track 12, Tura La Halloween. <laughs> now, which is fair enough, you can almost understand that they're going for the whole Halloween theme. But then you go in and it's just, there's no lyrics, no singing. It's just synthesized versions of the melodies of the normal song with like sound effects of leprechauns <laughs> dancing around and like Ghosts. Halloween skeletons like. And ghosts saying, ooh. <laughs> so you've got like a synth playing. And then you just hear like. But you're giving you too much credit, I have to say. It's more like, it. it's literally, it's, it sounds like the music from, uh, the, the arrangements of the songs sound like they come from baby TV. Like TV. <laughs> That you put on f- for your six-month-old baby to just have in the background. It's yeah. it's. Christian actually said before we started the episode, "We're not ones to slag anyone, but these one, these guys deserve it." <laughs> and it's probably not these guys. It's probably just some <laughs> some one like a single person sitting. The one, in his the one I clicked on for some reason was McNamara's Halloween Band because it just it caught my eye, and I was saying, "What's this?" And then it, when I heard it, I went. What the fuck? And I switched to the, I switched to the Wild Halloween Rover, <laughs> <laughs> and I couldn't believe my ears, folks. I'm gonna post a link to that. Yeah, <laughs> it's just everything do. Halloween. So you're very welcome to Tura Halloween Lura. <laughs> Tura, tu, tu, what was the name of the last track again? Tura Halloween. Tura la Halloween. Tura la Halloween. Morrison's Halloween Jake. It's just Morrison's Jake. The wearing of the Halloween green. <laughs> That's my favorite. When Halloween okay. Irish eyes are smiling. Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> Danny Boy Halloween. <laughs> they didn't even try with that one. They just called it Danny Boy Halloween. It sounds like the master names when you've recorded a track and you want to make sure that you know that it's it's the version that's going on this the this specific album or in this playlist or something. You just type Danny Boy Halloween. The Irish Halloween washerwoman. Oh my god. Finnegan's Halloween Wake. So there you go. It's what would happen on Finnegan's Wake if it happened on Halloween. Well, I mean, Tim Finnegan uh, was resurrected in his own wake, so we probably had another wake at some some later stage, and that might have been on Samhain Eve. Howna. <laughs> With leprechauns and ghouls and goblins Jesus dancing around. Fucking Christ! Can I can I take us in a completely different direction now? Absolutely. With a good segue. From the leprechauns, uh, the, the the horror name, movie, 
no is that the, where you're getting at no 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 the name of the band there was the leprechauns and um we've talked a little bit about, about our irish halloween we've talked a little bit about american halloween uh how irish halloween was transformed and the halloween that we have in norway is basically the same halloween they have around the world the american halloween that was exported uh, as sort of a commercial product uh that just like it's exactly the same here as most places you can go into to dollar shop and buy plastic pumpkin baskets to carry sweets and and that kind of stuff but but we do celebrate a little bit and costumes costume parties are are a big thing and um it was my birthday uh, a few weeks ago uh, and i have a good friend that has uh, his birthday is the day before my b- birthday so uh, and we've never celebrated together but we decided that we'll we'll do something this year and um since we're turning 29 and our biggest fear the scariest thing in the world is uh, turning 30 uh we'll um we'll have the party at the 30th uh and it's natural since we're so scared of turning 30 that we're turning it into a halloween party because what's more halloweeny than being scared of dying of old age so uh, anyway <laughs> we're having a costume party and here comes the segue i have been we've made a point of the whole Samhain thing in in our event in the things that we're we're talking about um we we've we've sort of i've posted sound fun facts the last few weeks in in the facebook event and everything and and we've we've made a big point of that so i was like oh, i want to do something kind of honors uh, uh the, the whole sound thing so i was like okay should i be maybe i could dress up as kukul and uh <laughs> no. but then i was like nah. no no one's gonna know who he is i'm just gonna be a guy with blue paint in in my face and people are gonna think i'm braveheart and i'm gonna have a hurley <laughs> and walk around and, and be silly and then i thought okay maybe i could be uh braveheart as sort of a joke mel gibson's uh william wallace i've done that once before but i thought that was a little bit uncreative and i started i don't like using the the kilt as part of a costume because uh, <laughs> it's not a costume but then finally last night i landed on the most obvious idea of all and the stupidest but at the same time the best idea um which is is it a clear jersey no no i do i've 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 been tempted just being a, a, a hurling player as well but <laughs> but i i thought that was a little bit lazy no Josh, I'm just going to be a fucking leprechaun. No. <laughs> I am, I am. But oh. I've 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 taken this to an extreme. I'm not gonna use any sort of synthetic fucking static electricity like St. Patrick's Day plush uh polyester uh tailcoat or uh, the Guinness hats that you get in every single Irish bar around the world on St. Patrick's Day. I'm not doing any of those things. I've gone to the source. Uh, I've read up on the source material. I've uh, read up on leprechauns. And I've obviously I'm, I'm going I'm to take inspiration from the modern 
uh, idea, the Western modern idea of what the leprechaun is on St. Patrick's Day. But I've I've sort of turned it in. So I've I have I have my my boonad shoes, which are like proper buckled brogues. <laughs> I have uh, I've uh, uh, a good pair of kilt hose or <laughs> other national dress hose that I can wear. I have knickerbockers in wool. I have a waistcoat and a grandfather shirt and I even went today to a, to a second hand shop and found like a great a great green vintage um, suit jacket. But what I'm going to ask for your help with now uh-oh is and i i even i'm i'm going to show you this this is official gags on the radio but dancing on the radio a pot of gold a pot this is a copper pot <laughs> a real fucking pipe nice but i'm going to ask for your help These are real vintage hats that I've I've borrowed of. So Christian's uh, basically got a bowler hat and a top hat, one in each hand. And I'm gonna ask you to help me decide. At least you, it, I'm at the end of the day. I'm gonna choose whatever I like best. But I'm gonna ask for your opinion now. What would you go with? I'm I'm gonna get the headset slightly down. <laughs> Uh, that that one looks very Willy Wonka. That's the top hat. Obviously, yeah. I'm gonna outfit it with a green silk um, tie around. You'd swear Christian has loads of time on his hands, ladies and gentlemen. So that's that's the top hat. <laughs> I wish I had the free time you have. <laughs> oh my god! That's the that's very Winston Churchill. Bowler hat, and I I do have an issue with bowler hats because it is sort of a sign of of um, being a being a unionist, a British politician. Yeah, <laughs> I think and personally, I mean, I'm on I'm on the top hat buzz. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the the felt on the top hat is a lot cooler as well, and it's the top hat itself is. It's sort of wrinkly. It's been through the wars. It feels a little bit more leprechaun-y. Put it on our Instagram story. You see what people think. Which is the one to go for. Yeah, definitely the top hat. <coughs> and what about the orange beard? Well, uh, that's the thing. I'd rather, I'd rather not... Um, I'd rather not have a beard than have to have a fucking fake St. <laughs> Patrick's Day ish beard. So mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna I'm just gonna be clean. I'm gonna be a young fucking leprechaun. And I think it, <laughs> it fits it fits very well with I mean St. Patrick's Day has nothing to do with pishogs or, or fairies at all. But Halloween Samhain is I mean the the leprechauns were fairies. Yes, they were solitary fairies that traveled around in the woods and collected gold and and made shoes they were cobblers uh, in some instances so i mean in many ways Samhain is much more leprechaun-y than 
than St. Patrick's Day will ever be. Absolutely. And, and, so, and Samhain is also a hell of a lot more Irish than St. Patrick's Day, believe it or not. That is also very true. But do my big question now is, because I read up uh, on a news story recently that um, uh, Notre Dame, the university Notre Dame somewhere in, in USA, they have... Notre Dame. Notre Dame. They actually pronounce it Notre Dame. Okay, Notre Dame. They have... <laughs> the uh, Fighting Irish. They have the Fighting Irish mm-hmm. uh, American football team and basketball team and soccer team and whatever. But they do have this mascot mm-hmm. that is called the, fi- the the Fighting Leprechaun. I know the uh, man. Um, I know the very lad. <laughs> I'm sure you do. Uh, and um, in, in the whole mascot gate that has been a thing in America recently with with the Redskins obviously changing name for name for, for being racist and the, the, the has spurred a, a whole debate on other racist or cultural appropri- appropriation yeah. mascots. There was a big thing on whether or not the leprechaun, the fighting Irish leprechaun, was cultural appropriation or racist, or and they they stand their ground um, at Notre Dame, saying that uh, we are not taking anyone else's heritage and and making fun of it. We are taking an image that has been used sort of derogatory against Irish people in the past and taking it and using it as um as as a sort of a a mark of of uh, of pride yeah uh, and we will not stand by and listen to you telling us that we <laughs> should change our our mascot and then um what's uh, what's the website that we use fairly often Irish uh, Irish Music Daily no Irish Central yeah, yeah. That I think they had a poll, and I think eight percent of the people that answered the poll uh, said that they thought it was um, racist or or not not cool. But this is what and I mean. Like it's it's a big difference as well in terms of Irish people and others. Like Irish people are not so easily offended. I think with certain yeah. things, like we we would be proud to be mentioned at all. But now my my big question is: Do do I as like at the end of the day i'm i'm a norwegian born norwegian man with no actual ties to ireland other than than living and breathing so Irish now you reckon music. now you reckon you're doing some cultural appropriation of your own this is this is my question do i have your blessing on the record here <laughs> ah, being a leprechaun for halloween I haven't seen the costume yet, but I'm going to provisionally say you're grand. Okay, thanks. That's that's all I wanted. <laughs> Until I re- he goes out and makes an absolute show of us on Saturday. Well, the, I feel like I've already, I can already show that I've put in a hell of a lot more effort than most people <laughs> do on St. Patrick's Day. So, Yeah, 100%. Um, more, what's the saying? More Irish than the Irish themselves? Oh yeah, there you have me. <laughs> there you have me i remember in the beginning when we started plastic patties um we had a thing where whenever someone uh irish uh were in the audience and came up to us afterwards and and said that they enjoyed the show or that they liked the music 
we uh, we sort of collected that as Irish seals of approval. So I'm going to consider this costume um, uh, getting the, the Irish seal of approval from, from you, my good friend, Josh. There you go. I'll be waiting for the video call. <laughs> but I did, I did say one thing, though. Uh, and this episode is going to come out the day after the party uh so we can post something as part of the the promo for for this episode but i did say that i instead of actually calling the costume concept a leprechaun i would just call it um irish stereotype and bring a fucking hurley and a slitter and a jersey and a pint glass and, and, a, and a pot of gold and, and guinness and maybe a tiny rainbow or something <laughs> and i'll just be fucking that's that's my costume what irish are you stereotype. i'm an irish stereotype yeah uh, yeah the, the, I, i'm gonna go around saying <laughs> top of the morning to you to everyone the best way to escape the appropriation label no i'm not yeah. i'm not culturally appropriating i'm being i'm being a stereotype yeah <laughs> Sorry to go off on a complete, complete no, it's rabbit hole. entirely hunt, random. It's your costume, so we're doing well. I think we're are getting you close to, to the parties? end, though. I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I'm gigging. I'm gigging. I'm doing that fun thing that I do when I have no life. Well, <laughs> but you I'm, have missed it. <clears throat> I have. I have. No. Um. I actually have nothing planned on Sunday as of yet. I have a little costume here that I might wear depending on where I am and what I'm doing. Um. Might be playing in Dublin. Not entirely sure yet. Well, you sh- I mean... I'll fly over to Norway and join you. Yeah, go on. <laughs> the party's yeah, no, on we're Saturday, playing, though. Yeah, we're playing in Cork City on Friday night, and we're playing in Newbridge on Saturday, and then Sunday is to be announced. Fantastic. Yeah. Well... I think that's... I think think we've we've done Samhain justice, haven't I th- we? I, I hope we have. And we'll have many, many more stories for you next Samhain. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Hopefully I won't... Anything make we fo- missed, we'll save for next year. Yeah. Hopefully I won't make a fool of myself being a leprechaun <laughs> on, on Samhain. Hopefully yeah. you'll, you'll have... You get chased out of gigs. town. And uh, if anyone um, has a great... Uh, great halloween costume that they want to share with us then mm-hmm. you can you can um at us on instagram or you can post it on our wall or you can you can send it to, to insta halloween gram <laughs> insta halloween gram at tura halloween lura podcast um, <laughs> dot com halloween dot com or email it to tura halloween lura sawan podcast at paganism gmail dot com the wearing of the halloween green i can't believe it you know all of our socials you know you know our email address you've heard of us if you're listening you've probably heard of us and if you haven't heard of us welcome thank you for back to the old back halloween catalog and listen to all of those great fucking Halloween episodes, ep- epi Halloween episodes, and I, th- oh, I, I think I think the only thing I have left to say is Tura Halloween Lura. To Halloween Ra, Lou Halloween Ra. Have a good Halloween one, everybody.
Slan go Halloween foil. <lacht>